welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's Wednesday, May 17th, 2023, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today we are just greatly appreciative of Catherine and Garrett Waits, who are joining us to really talk about foster care. And as many may not know, this is Foster Care Awareness Month, the month of May, and there are roughly 430,000 children in foster care in the U.S., and they wait in foster care on an average of 18 months before permanency is achieved. Children need families who love them through these days. Families need support as they say yes to the need. And so we're just grateful to be able to, to hear from Catherine and Garrett and their journey of foster care. And I just want to remind you, as, as we even get into this podcast, that maybe as you hear their story and maybe here in the midst of National Foster Care Awareness Month, maybe the Lord would be calling you to become a foster parent. Or maybe you just have those foster parents in your life and you feel called to be someone who can support them. You can always visit our website, lifelinechild.org backslash foster dash care. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash foster dash care. Or you can see our show notes for more information. And so if you receive the Journey magazine, uh, you may have already read and learned a little bit about Catherine and Garrett. They were featured recently in the Journey magazine. Uh, They met at Auburn University, which is in Lee County, Alabama, and uh, probably want me to say War Eagle, so I'll say it. They have a biological daughter named Birdie. And Catherine and Garrett both felt called to foster after being married in 2020 and pursued licensure in 2022. And up to this point, in just a short 18 months, they've already had four placements. Catherine teaches as a Title I school in Birmingham, Alabama, and Garrett is a GIS analyst at the Foresight Group. So, friends, welcome. Thanks for joining us. I, I, I just would love to get started. If you just tell us a little bit about your story, you know, what led you to, to fostering and, and just how the Lord has used that in your lives. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're excited. Um, we met at Auburn, but before um, we started dating and got engaged and married, I lived in Uganda, East Africa and worked for um, a nonprofit called Healed Ministries. It's out of Nashville, Tennessee, and it is a ministry that serves um, abandoned and widowed women along with their children. And so I taught preschool for them for about a year and also worked with their women's programs. And so the goal of Heal Ministries is to um, preserve families. So it's a family preservation ministry. And so they support um, those singled and abandoned um, and widowed women. And so they give them opportunities so they do not have to um, leave their children. So in Uganda, the majority of orphans are called poverty orphans. And so due to circumstance, um, they are no longer able to stay with their families. And so Heal comes alongside um, women and tries to, um, you know, lessen those numbers in Uganda. And so that's kind of where my heart for foster care um, came into play is when I was coming home, it was a, okay, well, what's next? Mm. Where can I take my heart and passion for keeping families together and transfer it stateside? 
Um, my parents were really happy that it was stateside. Um, and so when I came home, me and Garrett started dating, we got engaged and kind of from the get go, that was definitely something that was on the table as a priority for our marriage that that as a family is something we wanted to to stand for. Um, you know, in James 127, it says that we're called to support and come alongside the widows and children. And foster care is, I feel like, one of the main ways we can do that. Sometimes it's not the the prettiest picture of that because it's really messy and it's really hard. And it has lots and lots of ups and downs, but especially as a church, it's one of the main things that we are not asked to do, but demanded to do. Um, And it looks different for everybody, um, but just for us as a family, it looked like stepping into the world as foster parents. Um, So we got married in July 2020. And about a year later, that next August, we started um, taking our tips class, which is the training class, and we took it through Lifeline. And so shout out to Savannah, our, our tips leader. Um, so we we were trained. It's a 10-week process and, and lots of lots of paperwork. And after that, we were licensed and got our first placement um, that April. So it was kind of an August to April timeline where we got licensed. You know, just even hearing your story and how the Lord has has used even your time in Uganda to really give you a passion for family reunification. You know, I, I know you guys have really been huge advocates for the kids in your care. A lot of people, when they think about foster care, for whatever reason, what connotes in their mind is adoption or, uh, you know, separating kids from families, getting them out of unsafe places. But a lot of folks don't realize that the goal of foster care is reunification. And so can you just talk about how you've been able to advocate for your kids and and, and really just even advocate for them and for their families? Yeah, so that's definitely a huge heart of ours and a wish that people would have that understanding more often that, you know, if you're getting into foster care with your goal of adoption, then you're not in it for the right reasons. Mm. Um, Because the goal, the number one biggest goal of foster care is the, you know, reunifying with biological family, whether that's parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents, um, that is, and at the end of the day, what's best for kids, if at all possible. Um, and so we've been um, able to advocate for families and, you know, we're only a year into this. So we are experts, not, <laughs> but, um, you know, it is something that we are really passionate about. And I think the biggest, the biggest thing is to go into it with a humble heart, realizing that, Tomorrow, it could be any parent. It could be any of us. It could be me in that same position because we're all equal sinners and we are all fallen and all in need of grace. Um, And it just happens not to be me. Um, And so I think 
the way we like to approach biofamilies is trying our best to have a level playing field. Um, and it can be simple things like sending pictures. Sending pictures or printing pictures and sending them on visits goes a long way. Um, we had an infant in our care once and we would send a journal um, to visits and just say um, what they were doing that week, what they were enjoying, um, just simple things like that so that um, bio families feel um, more connected with their children because um, I can't imagine the heartache that they're going through and being away from their children and that stress. And so being able to, um, you know, connect them in any ways that we can, um, we, we like to do that. You know, talk a little bit about just ways that, you know, you've been able to serve these families, you know, I, I know you don't want to get into specifics of, of cases and, and, and situations, but what are some of the biggest needs you see of, of birth families? Because, you know, I, I think, unfortunately, you know, when we think of foster care, we, we almost demonize the parents. But but I think as you, you've moved in, yes, they've made some bad choices. Yes, they've they've done some things that, uh, uh, you know, that we wouldn't do. But but what are ways that you've been able to serve these families and really uh, help them see a, a better path for their future? Yeah, so I think I think like you mentioned, like the the choices. Sometimes um, it's just circumstance. You know, it's it's a hard circumstance or a hard place, um, and everyone needs someone to come alongside them sometimes. And so that's kind of how we hope that people view bio families is just it's just a hard a hard circumstance, and so. I think that the way we've been able to come along on the biggest need I see of bio families is someone to cheer them on. Mm -hmm. That sounds really cheesy and really simple, but I think it's someone to say, hey, I see you, mama. You are the mama. You can do this. Um, and I think that goes a long way. Um is someone to to say you can do this you can get your babies back like i am here walking alongside you the best i can um and that's not always possible in cases there's some some cases you are able to have contact with bio families and some that you are not um and so like i mentioned earlier like um, sometimes we can text message with our bio families send pictures call meet out in public. And sometimes it's just um, through visitation. Um, so sending notebooks and things like that. But just any encouragement, um, because our hope is that we never interact with a bio family like we are better mm. or that we look down upon them. Um, so I think, like I mentioned earlier, just leveling the playing field and hopefully having them feel comfortable with us. Mm -hmm. And when, you know, when you share a table with someone or when you, um, you know, become friends with them or build any sort of relationship, it's harder to, um, it's easier to love them, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And so the longer we build our table, the better. And so 
gaining relationships with bio families is just one way to extend our table and hopefully show them that encouragement. Amen. God, praise, praise the Lord on that. Cause these families really do, they need advocates. They need somebody who's going to stand in there for them. You know, one of the things that always just gets me when, when we talk about foster care is the idea that so many of these birth families have themselves spent time in foster care and they didn't have someone to step into their life, to be consistent, to help them make choices that would be best for, for they and, and their child. And I love the, the picture of not just caring for someone's child, but caring for them and, 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 and doing that. You know, I, I know that as, as you guys have worked and partnered even with DHR and, and here in Alabama, that's Department of Human Services in your state, that could be DHS or it could be CPS, lots of different names. But, but ultimately, as you've worked with the local Child Protective Service, uh, you've seen opportunities not just to serve the children and the birth families, but but you were actually able to redo some of the spaces uh, there at your local CPS office. Can can you talk a little bit about how this project came to be and even what the Lord has accomplished through leaning in and, and redoing some space at the local CPS office? Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, those uh, conversations are definitely initiated by Catherine. She is, uh, uh, I mean, just a wonderful partner for, seeing needs and going after them. And I think that, you know, that's huge, especially when interacting with um, with DHR, um, especially here in, in Birmingham and Jefferson County, um, the system is so overwhelmed. They're so, the, the caseloads are um, unbelievable numbers on workers. And it's overall a thankless job. It's a job where, um, most of the situations you see are hard situations. Um, it's just, I mean, I can't imagine the, um, how difficult it would be to stay motivated and, um, and feel like you're, you're, you're doing something that matters when you probably feel like you're underwater most of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and so in, in Catherine's ability to see needs and go after them, just, um, as any opportunity arises to fill a gap, if it is, um, you know, redoing a room so that that space uh, looks a little happier, uh, a place that both, uh, you know, a bio family that's that's getting to visit with their child. If they get to do that once every two weeks or something like that, you know, that that makes that time a little bit more special, a little bit more comfortable. Um, but also it's one less thing that that DHR office has to worry about and be thinking about because um, they've got so many other things on their plate. And that's that's just the biggest thing is. Um, you know, trying to trying to figure out how to fill that gap as as much as possible. Um, as we as we you know hope to build relationships there and and really create a, a team effort across the board. You know, talking earlier about advocating for foster families or for bio families, just the um, letting them know that ultimately our goals are hopefully the same. That we want you to get to be with your baby again, um, and that's um. You know, if everybody is feeling that way, then the chances of success are, are higher all the way around. I know there might be people that are listening to this podcast and, you know, obviously I'm, I know you both would say, hey, pray for us. Um, we need your prayers. But but there may be folks that are going, you know, I, I just don't know if I could do all those things. I, I mean, I might be able to take care of a child, but 
taking care of a child, loving on a birth parent, working with my local system. I, I don't know if I can do all these things, but how would you encourage just the normal family who might be listening that may have a little bit of bandwidth and they're considering foster care? You know, maybe how would you encourage them to get engaged? Maybe what are some of the first steps that they could take? Even what are some things they could do if the Lord isn't calling them to be foster parents, but that would come alongside and even help a family like yours who is leaning in in the ways you guys are? I would say the first thing you said, you know, what would we say to a normal family? We are a normal family. Uh, we are surviving on grace and apologies and do-overs and tears and cheers. So um, we are very much so no different than anybody else who may be listening to this. Um, we don't have any superpowers or super strengths or you know, super skill set. Um, so I would say if you're even considering it, if you feel like the Lord is calling you at all to foster care, just jump in. There's never going to be a right time to do it. There's never going to be um, a perfect moment where everything, you know, all the puzzle pieces fit together perfectly. And you're like, okay, like, I think now is the the time that we can do it because X, Y, and Z has settled down. Um, you know, the, the Lord equips those who he calls. Um, and we've seen that come true. And most of the time it's like a day-to-day -day equipping. Um, you know, your tank runs out one day and you wake up in the morning and he has given you the strength for the next day or the, you know, next placement and so um i think our biggest thing would be just do it yeah definitely in that in the practical sense if you just signed up for a tips class and started to go down the road and just get exposure because the more exposure you get the more um the more ability you're going to have to see what what's even out there and available for me to do and you might you know start the process and realize no this isn't for me, but because I've seen X, Y, Z, um, and I've had conversations with people who are considering it or been introduced to people who are foster parents. Now I know somebody that I can help. That might be, uh, oh, I can take them a meal one night this week. It, it can be some of the smallest stuff, um, but it's also, you know, just find somewhere to jump in. I think a great place to start would be that tips class and, and get around people that are also considering it. You know, the more people that you're surrounded by that are interested in the same thing that you're interested in, the more likely you're going to push each other to go do that thing. Um, so I, that would be, I think, a great first step and just seeing what go finding the exposure that you can get. Um, maybe um, in your in your church home, finding a foster or adoptive ministry, um, seeing what they're up to, how are they engaging with it and, and participating in, in a group setting like that. Even as you guys talk about the Lord just renewing your strength as as new placements come and and talking about the the the, the hard parts, the being real about, hey, there's there there are difficult things with foster care. Um, obviously, this is a this is a tough job. It sometimes is a thankless job. Uh, it can feel like there's constantly something else around the corner. How would you encourage other foster families that might be listening to this? What are some ways that y'all have found 
one, to strengthen your marriage, to, to two, continue to, to stay in tune with, with the Lord, to, to find your joy in the Lord in, in something that honestly can be extremely difficult and extremely hard. Um, you know, we mentioned this before, we're still, we're still a year, just a year in, so we're still babies in all of this. Um, but I think, um, something I've been learning more and more is asking for help and accepting help. Um, if we have a crazy week with lots of appointments or therapy appointments or doctor's appointments or, you know, things like that, um, reach out, ask for a meal, say you need help. Um, even a play date sometimes is something that you need to, to reset. So I think, um, for foster families, don't be afraid, um, to reach out for help because you can't do it all and you're not supposed to do it all by yourself. And so, um, just something that we've realized is that, you know, not everybody is called to be foster parents. And so, um, you know, allowing other people to step into your life as a foster parent, as a foster family, um, is life giving to them and it's life giving to you and the children in your home. Um, and they get to live out their puzzle piece of, um, foster care. And so when you don't accept help or you don't ask for help, um, everyone struggles because they're not able to love on you and lend that help. And then you're also under this false pretense that you can do it all alone. And so I think definitely our number one tip would probably be reach out for help. You know, kind of as we close, you know, you guys started with the call from from James 127 to care for orphans and and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And, you know, as it is with the Lord, whenever he gives a command, he always comes back with his presence and he he continually teaches us uh, even through the hard and, and even through the somewhat difficult things in life. What are some things that you would say that that the Lord has has taught you through this journey, has has taught you through this process, um, both about Himself, but but also uh, just about each other. What, what what are some of those great lessons that the Lord has shown you, and how has He really shown His character to you as you have have been faithful in this foster care journey? Yeah, I think you definitely hit on it in the first part of that question. Is like as we. Um, you know, continue to say yes to more than we might have ever expected to say yes to and kind of, you know, I don't know, um, not to make too dramatic of a word, uh, uh, sounding of a word of it, a, a sacrifice, like little parts of our lives and in unexpected ways, um, just how much, um, you know, the the gaps get filled. He, he like definitely provides in in all of the ways that um, we need him to provide for us. So it's just, you know, continually being able to say yes and realizing that the bandwidth is going to be there, even if you don't expect it to be there. Um, and, and that's, that's just really incredible that uh, it's, yeah, as you, as you step into things and, and with that just comes so much um, humility as far as, you know, what I believe that I'm capable of, like, is is such a small amount, but we are um, being provided for on on a daily basis. Um, and, you know, I, I think also, you know, um, getting kind of back into our our like story with this is, uh, 
we um and we, whenever we were discussing our timelines for everything you know we, we knew that we wanted to have kids of our own um and we, we didn't know what timelines look like we said we're just going to jump into it and see what happens and we uh we got our certification and then we got our first placement and the weekend after we got our first placement we found out that Catherine was pregnant and that we were going to have a baby uh a, a baby with us forever uh also, and I think just that exposure to um, being a parent, uh, even before mm-hmm. having our own child, uh, is it's just it's the most um, it's the most humbling thing. It's so amazing to watch um, to watch a baby grow, even in like the briefest amount of time. It's incredible, and that's just um, I don't know a testament to god's amazing goodness in in each of our lives individually to watch that happen and just um humbling just awe-inspiring for how we grow from such small frail things into um i guess still small frail things but larger small frail things and I, we've hit on the the hard parts of foster care a lot um in this interview but i do want to um make sure everyone knows that there is so much joy and redemption in foster care. There is laughter. There is smiles. There are stories shared between foster parents and bio families. There's pictures and text messages and great times and hopefully, um, you know, relationships that withstand placement time. So anyone who's listening and thinking about foster care, there is so much joy and goodness um in this as well and it's a really really sweet and humbling thing to be a part of and so we're you know super grateful to be a part of it and to to step in and say say yes yeah and that carries over everywhere in life too i know another part of that question um i feel like we've gone it hit a bunch of different parts of it but another part of that is how it's grown our marriage and help us um see each other in in new ways and um i think still along that humility line i mean knowing when we have to rely on the other one because we're either depleted of of our own resources and and one or the other one has to step up into that situation and and that's um that's awesome to see your spouse do something incredible that it truly blows your mind that they could um have that strength in that moment whenever that moment comes and and just also the uh humility piece of i have to rely on you right now and and that helps me appreciate you even more as my partner in all of this that's uh really um that's really cool so just like that humility and awe-inspiring piece across the board it's it's all over well friends so grateful for your faithfulness just to step out and to be willing to care for and to uh, care for those and and to open up your home uh, to see what the Lord has for you in your home and to be faithful in that. So grateful for just the way that the Lord is, is continually showing his goodness to both of you and grateful that you could join us today. And I, I would tell all of those that are listening, certainly foster care really could be for you. And I'll, I'll encourage what uh, what the weights have said and to say, take that next first step, um, just to go through a class, just to see what it's like. You know, going through a class doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily be a foster parent, but it's taking that next right step forward. And maybe even going through a class and learning, hey, I, 
I might not be someone who can take a full-time placement, but I know that I am someone who can provide respite or can provide support. Here in National Adoption Awareness Month and Foster Care Awareness Month, I, I hope and pray that many would be encouraged, that many would take that next step, and that the Lord would be glorified, and ultimately He would use the, His bride, the bride of Christ and His people, uh, to make a difference in the lives of children here at home uh, in our foster care system. So. Uh, thank you guys both so much, Garrett and Catherine. So grateful for you joining us and grateful for just your faithfulness on following the Lord's call. Thanks thank for having you. us. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.